الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين ما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان في ذلك لذكرى لمن كان له قلب او القى السمع وهو شهيد صدق الله العلي العظيم my most respected and honorable Brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. First of all, we begin by thanking and glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in His house, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. And we pray that Allah azza wa jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future, insha'Allah ta'ala. There's a hadith that I came across uh, recently and I, I remember a few years ago I came across this hadith and it's amazing the second time you come across the same hadith uh, that you had previously studied a long time ago and it was enlightening, it was, there was so much wisdom in it that it reminded me of the verse of the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states and I quoted before you in my khutbah, إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَذِكْرَى لِمَنْ كَانَ لَهُ قَلْبٌ أَوْ أَلْقَى السَّمْعَ وَهُوَ شَهِيدٌ That there is a message for anyone that has a heart and understanding or who gives an ear and earnestly witnesses the truth. So there's a message in everything that the Prophet said, in anything that the Prophet experienced. There's a divine message in fact, there's a prophetic message in there. If only we were to lend an ear, if only we were to sit down and read and open the books and try to understand why the Prophet ﷺ said what he said or why the Prophet ﷺ did what he ﷺ did. The hadith, and I'm going to go through it very quickly, it's a hadith that is, that is muttafaq alayhi. It's recorded by both Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim in their respective books. There is no doubt with regards to the authenticity of the narration. The narrator of the hadith is the son of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. And he states that I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once say that there were three people who were traveling and I'm going to quote the hadith. I'm not going to go through the Arabic or, or quote it word by word. I'm going to quote it. I'm not going to quote it verbatim. There were three people who were traveling. Night fell and they had to enter into a cave to overcome the night or to spend the night. And while they were spending the night in that cave and they were resting there, a rock fell down from the top of the mountain and landed right in front of the cave blocking the entrance and what was for them then the exit. Now, naturally, they're worried, they're afraid. This big, massive boulder has, we has wedged itself in their one-way uh, exit. They're afraid they'll never be able to, to push it and they'll never be able to uh, get out of there. And then one of them said to the other, 
that we can't help each other. We can't do anything about this. The only person who can help us now is Allah. Allah is the only one who can remove us from this difficulty today. And the, one, the other one said, of course, only Allah can help us. So what should we do? The third said, we should invoke Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we should ask him on the basis of one of the good deeds that we have performed. We should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us in this difficult period today on the basis of something good that we have done in our lives. And what is that one good deed that we are most proud of? What is that one good deed? What is that one selfless deed that we have performed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be pleased with us and remove us from this difficulty today? One of them said, I have one. I have one good deed that was performed selflessly and I hope in Allah's mercy that he will grant me some respite on the basis of that one good deed that I have performed. And then he goes on to tell his story of that deed. And he said, oh Allah. And he's asking Allah. So he said, oh Allah. My parents were old. They had reached old age. And I used to go out and collect wood. On my return from collecting the wood, working all day, I used to come home and then I used to milk the animals. I used to take care of the animals. And after milking the, can the animals, I used to take one vessel of milk and I used to go and give it to my parents. And after, only after my parents had satisfied their hunger or their thirst, then I would give it to my wife and my children and drink it myself. He said, one day I was delayed upon my return. One day I got late collecting the wood. And I milked the animals and I came with that vessel of milk. And as was customary, I went directly into my parents' room to give that milk to them. When I went there, I realized that I'd got so late that my parents had fallen asleep. But I didn't want to wake them up. Nor did I wish, nor did I desire that if I was to leave, and they were to wake up in the middle of the night, they would be hungry, their bellies would be empty. So I found myself in a predicament. And I decided that I was going to stand there. So I stood there at the foot of my parents' bed, holding this vessel of milk. And I waited, and I continued to wait. Until eventually they woke up on their own, at the time of the dawn. And when they woke up, they drank their share of the milk. Only after that, I went and I provided that to my children, my wife 
and I drank it myself. And they said, oh Allah, if you regard this as a noble deed, if you think that this is something that I did for your sake, remove this rock so that we may be able to see the sky. And after beseeching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and after spilling his heart out, and telling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of his one good deed, that was the most selfless act that he had performed, he notices that the rock moves a little bit, but not enough for them to get out. So the second one said, okay, that's worked. You know, the, the, the rock has moved. Maybe if I have a good deed, I should tell it, it'll move a little bit more and we might be able to escape. So the second individual says, I've got a good deed. I've got one good deed, one selfless deed that I performed and I'm the most proud of. And his was slightly different, but selfless nonetheless. He said, oh Allah, again asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know that I was in love with a woman. And this woman that I was in love with, it was the deepest love that any man can have for any woman. And for years, I tried to seduce her. For years, I wanted her to be mine. But she refused. She continued to refuse my advances. Until one day, she came to me in need of money. She needed some money. She asked me for help. And I offered her 120 dinars, which is gold currency, provided that she gives in to my desire. I said, I've, well, I have her now. She needs something from me. I said, I'll give you 120 gold dinars, but you know what I want. And she accepted. She had no choice but to accept because she desperately needed the money that I was willing to provide her. He said, when I was about to, when I was about to overpower her, fulfill my desire, at that precise moment, she looked at me and she says, fear Allah, ittaqillah. Fear Allah and don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. And do not do it to me. She asked me, don't do it to me except rightfully. As in, marry me if you wanted to. But don't do this to me. He said, at that moment when she said, fear Allah, I began to fear Allah. And immediately, I got up and I was moved. Even though she was the most desired to me. She was something, she was somebody that I was craving for such a long period of time. At that moment, oh Allah, I feared you and I feared your wrath. I feared your punishment. So I got up and I let her keep the money and I did not make any advances to her again. And then he says, oh Allah, if you think this is a deed that I performed for your sake, if this is something that was selflessly done only to please you, 
then oh Allah, remove us from this predicament today. Allow us to get out of this cave today. He said, as he made his dua, the rock moved just a little bit more from the mouth of the cave. And again, it wasn't enough for them to escape or for them to get out. So the third one's left. The third one said, I have a story too. Perhaps after telling my story, Allah will remove the stone a little bit more. Move it a little bit more. And if it moves a little bit more, that's enough for us to get out of this cave. The third one said, Oh Allah, my story is this. Once I employed workers and I paid them every day. One day, one of the workers, he left without me paying him. And I had his share of money left with me. And he said, that money that I had left from that employee's wages, I decided to invest it. After, invested it, after investing it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed so much barakah into that money, into that wealth, that it continued to develop and pay dividends for me. Until it, it turned into a large amount of money. He said, after some time, after a while, a period of time, the man whose money it was, he came to me and he demanded his payment. He said, remember that time that I worked for you and you didn't pay me my wages. I've come to collect my wages today. And I said to him, go to those camels, those cows and that shepherd over there and take all of the camels and take all of the cows. And the man said, don't mock me. Why are you trying to mock me? Basically saying, are you having a laugh? Are you joking with me? You know, give me my money that was due for one day's wage. I'm not asking for all of your camels and all of your cows. And I said to him, I then informed him that that money that you gave to me that day, I invested it. After investing, after investing it, and from that investment, I purchased all of these camels and all of these cows, and they belong to you. That's not my haqq, that's your haqq. That's your right. Then he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, if you think that this is a deed that I perform selflessly only for your sake, only to please you, then, O oh Allah, remove us from this predicament today. And after making his dua, the rock moves a little bit more from the mouth of the cave. And it's, it, it's enough for all three of them to escape from it. This is the story that the Prophet <coughs> told his companions. And there's so many morals behind this story. There's so many good deeds behind it. There's such a message in this story that if only we were to perceive it. If you think of the first individual, the first man and his desire to please his parents. That every day, you know, he's following the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet. 
If any one of your parents attains old age, the Quran tells us, then don't even say oof to them. Treat them kindly. Be kind to them. Lower unto them the wings of humility and humbleness. This is what the Quran tells us to do. In how many instances, how many parts of the Quran, how many times have you read the Quran where the Quran tells you, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and be kind and dutiful to your parents. And this is the height of servitude. That this man, he comes home, every day he would come, his parents had attained old age, he knew he had to look after them. And he bought them with a vessel of milk every day after working all day. And only after they had drank from it, then he would go and feed his, his family and feed himself. That one day he gets late, his parents have fallen asleep, he stands there at the foot of the bed, waiting, not wanting to wake them up, until they woke up of their own accord. And once they did, then they drank from it and he was able to go and feed his family. That was a selfless act. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewarded him for it. This is another thing that we see in, the had in this hadith. If you do something, if you do a good deed, if you perform a selfless act, don't think that your reward is only going to be in the akhirah. That's a misconception. Most of us think, well, you know, if I perform those good deeds, what am I going to get? The reward is going to be in the akhirah. I want that reward now. In some cases, no, in fact, in many cases, you'll get the reward of that. You'll see the jaza of that in this dunya. You take care of your parents now, when they attain old age, you'll see, you'll reap the rewards and the benefits of that yourself. When you attain old age, then your children will look after you. In exactly the same way, you don't look after your parents, you don't care about them, you throw them into a care home, never to see them again until the day they die, and then you fight over the money that they've left behind among your brothers and sisters, then the same thing will happen to you. See, so you'll reap the rewards of that. You'll see, you, you reap what you sow. So you'll experience that yourself. Look at the second individual. Look at how he, his, 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 his integrity in fact. Each and every one of us is imperfect. Each and every one of us commits sins. Every son of Adam is a sinner, but the best of the sinners are those who repent. Those who turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance. He desired a woman. He wanted to get married to a woman. Not marry her. He wanted to be with her without getting married to her. And when he finally gets his desire, and when he's finally able to, to perform it, to go through with it, that girl, that woman says to him, Ittaqillah, fear Allah, and don't do this. And at that moment, he begins to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has, a, he has an, a semblance of iman left inside him. His belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he thinks to himself, what am I doing? This is something that we can learn from today. I was reading about marriage. You know, in marriage, when a person gets married, 
be it a man or a woman. You know, the Prophet said, get married for four reasons. You know, the hasab, the nasab, the jamal, the beauty, you know, the lineage, the wealth. All of these reasons come together. We get married, we say we want to have the best looking individual. We want to have someone who is wealthy, someone who has a lot of money, a car, a house. But yet, the reasons for divorce are not the reasons why people get married. And I'll explain that. When the beauty goes, that doesn't result in divorce. If a wealth goes and that person, who, if you got married to someone for their wealth and their money leaves them, not all the time does it end in divorce. The main cause of divorce, the number one cause of divorce in not only this country, on this planet today is infidelity. Is infidelity, is adultery. That's the main leading cause of divorce. Cheating on your spouse. It's not uncommon. In fact, it's extremely common. And don't think for one moment that somehow the Muslim community is free from, from this ill. It's not. Trust me, I've had so many individuals speak to me and trying, going through marriage counseling or, or dealing with divorce issues. And the issue of divorce has come about. Why? Because I want to divorce from this person because this person has gone and, and cheated on me with somebody else. Again, you know, it's a part of our iman that we fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before we do something wrong. Now people are looking for the opportunity. We live in a day and age when it's fashionable somehow to, to cheat as many times as you possibly can. You know, the marriage as an institution is crumbling. It's almost non-existent. 10, 20 years from now, it will be. We need to uphold the sanctity of marriage. The last person, and very quickly before we finish, the third person, his honesty and his sincerity are unbelievable. Those of you, each and every one of you, you either work with other people, you have colleagues, or you have employees. Either way, you need to treat them not only kindly, you know, in your normal life, but you need to ensure that you have integrity. You need to ensure that you're honest all the time in all of your dealings. The Prophet ﷺ was extremely honest. And the story of this man who, who doesn't pay his worker that one day, not, he didn't pay him, that man left without getting paid. And that money that he left behind, he invested it. After investing it, it leads to a great sum. He goes and buys camels and he buys some cows. He buys some flock from it. Years later, that man comes back asking for his money. This man could have turned and said, well, actually, here you go. Here's your day's wages that you left with me that day. But no, Allah is watching. If you notice in all three of the stories, it comes down to the belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is watching. Allah knows. Allah knows. He's watching us all the time. No matter how far you go, no matter how far you travel, to, 
to commit sin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be watching you. And know that your Allah is going to be held to account. He knew that I could give him the money today that he earned on that day and let him go. He, he'll never know about it. He'll never know what I did with the money and how much, how much reward has come from it. But Allah, Allah is watching. Allah is, is going to question him on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And this is something that we've lost. You know, the day that we forget about that, the day we forget that Allah is watching, know that that's when your iman is going down. It's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Until for us, too, is going to be almost non-existent. So in, we must ensure that we always remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching us at every moment. We must remember to be honest in our dealings with people. We have to ensure that if we want to achieve, know that if you want to achieve closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you want him to relieve your distress in this world, you have to be kind and dutiful to your parents. You have to be honest in your dealings with people. You have to ensure that you don't harm anybody else. The more you harm somebody else, how can you then, with what face are you going to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove your trials and your tribulations? We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gives us all the unique understanding of the Quran, the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.